encouragement, edification, and equipping so that we uh, come together here and we and we give God the glory and then we go out and carry the gospel to the world. And that's what the purpose of the church is. And you ought to be a part of the church that God makes you a part of. God should lead you. If you're a believer, you should be a part of that church. And that's not just coming on Sunday, but that's taking part in what God has put you in this place with this people to accomplish for His glory. You know, God is God is incredibly great. And there's a lot of things, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute, a lot of things that I believe that our culture has conformed churches to become. People in the church have have bought into a lot of things over the years, and, and now we're wondering why uh, we've lost the effectiveness that, that God's Word teaches that the church should have. We've, we've lost a lot of our influence and our light in our culture. Um, and we have uh, come to the place to where, where a lot of churches are dying off. You know, in the next 20 years, you're going to see a lot of churches in our area is going to close down because they, they missed the next generation. And, and I just want to say this. I've I got a couple of hard things to say, and then we'll, we'll get to the good stuff, all right? Here, here's the thing. <clears throat> There's a lot of people who have the mentality, you know, that I've talked to, and I've been a part of some different churches growing up and that kind of stuff, who they believe that, you know, that holding fast to the truth means we're not going to change for anyone, including the Lord. We're going to do this our way. This is the way it worked, you know, then. This is the way it works now. I'm totally anti-liberal, but here's what I am saying. That we reach people according to God's Word, not according to what we think, what we like, what we're comfortable with. And so, uh, holding fast to the truth, everywhere that I've seen in the Scripture, truth produces life. It doesn't produce death. So if you're part of a church that is dying, it's not because you hold fast to the truth. It's because you hold fast, usually, to your own your own thoughts and your traditions and your own vision. Because where Jesus is and where the Spirit is, there's life. And churches should be growing. And I don't, you know, I don't give into excuses of the great falling away. If there's a great falling away now, it's because God's people have fallen away from the truth of God's word, not because God stopped doing what he's going to do. Okay. The world, and we want to look at the world and go, the world's falling away. The world never came close. The world's always been falling away from the Lord and from the gospel. It's the church's responsibility, just like this brother said, to carry the gospel into the world and watch God and be a part of God doing great things. Because this is where I want to want to kind of change up here. God, we serve, I serve, you serve a great God. He does great things. We read about the great things God's done in the scripture. You hopefully have seen the great things God has done in your life. If you're here today and you say, I'm a born again Christian, you've experienced the greatest thing that you can possibly experience if you recognize that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Dead people don't need somebody to come along, clean them up, set them in a building, and tell them that they're good now that they've done a few good things and quit doing a few bad things. Dead people need life. Only Jesus gives life. And so if you're here and you've been raised from the dead, you've seen a miracle of God in your life, and God wants to do great things in you and through you just as he's done great things for you. And so... I absolutely see and know, not just believe that God's raising people up, calling people out to a kingdom vision. We talked about that last week, and we see that in the life of Abraham. Now, God is still doing so many great things. I just want to share this with you. Yesterday, uh, we went, me and the boys went to uh, the prison, out out to the Coalfield unit. 
they changed us from going on Sunday evenings now. Now we'll be going on the uh, second Saturday uh, on every Saturday, going out to Cofield Union and, and preaching and, and worship and leading them. And so we had, a, I actually had a bigger crowd yesterday. I don't know, there's probably 250 or 300 inmates in there. <clears throat> and uh, the boys sang and, and then I got up and I started preaching. And, and I, I was going along, no telling what I'm going to say sometimes when I'm preaching. And I was going along, it wasn't part of my program, but I guess it was part of God's. And, and I, I was going to use an illustration. I was going to illustrate, I was just going to pick somebody out and throw them in my illustration. And, and as I, I went, usually I'll look to my right, you know, like today I'd probably pick out Chad or something. And as I was fixing to pick out that inmate sitting right there, Lord, I mean, God's spirit just went, don't pick him. And I was like, so I just kind of shifted to this side. You know, it threw me off, really. And, it's, uh, and so I look over there, and there's a Spanish man, a Mexican man. He's sitting there on the front row. He is, he has got so many tattoos, you can't really tell what he is. And all over his face and body, he just got, he's just got a blank look on his face. And the Lord was like, pick him. So I, I did not want to pick him. I'm going to be honest. I looked at him, and I kind of took a couple steps forward. He was looking at me. I said, what is your name? And he just sat there, and he stared at me. And then he shared his name with me. I won't tell you what it is just for. For, for reasons, and, and he said, my name is, you know, we'll call him Andre, whatever. And so I said, uh, I said, all right, let's say, and I was talking, I was preaching out of this text how God wants to make a great nation or a great people of you. And I said, you know, take this for instance. You could say Andre's sitting here in, in Coatville State Prison. I don't know what Andre's done. I don't know if Andre knows Jesus as his Savior. I don't care what he's done. But this is what I know. He can make a decision today, if he hasn't, to give his life to Jesus. And God can take the name that he has that's put him in this place and wash it away. And God can raise him up and make him have a great nation to where when he stands in front of the Lord, because he will. Can you imagine what it would be for him to stand in front of Jesus and just go, Andre, I want you to see all of your great, great, great grandchildren, people in your family that you never met that was impacted by a decision that you made in prison where I met you that day. And because you trusted me, it impacted generations that I've made of you a great nation. Are you all with me? So I shared that. And, and I went on, he never, he, I never saw him. I didn't make a lot of eye contact with him. He didn't. Have a lot of, of response to that, and, and but he was listening. And I went on with my preaching and, and shared the gospel. And, and here's one of the crazy things I said: uh, I said, I don't care if you're here today, and, and if you've murdered 75 people, if you've murdered 75 people, Jesus went to the cross as a murderer of 75 people, representing you, so that you could become forgiven and be a child of God. That's the depths and the power of the cross. I believe in that absolutely 100%. Don't think that Jesus just went there for gossipers, okay? Because if that's all he went, there's only going to be a handful of us in heaven, amen? You know, probably all of us need that, amen? <laughs> but anyhow, I finished my message and, and I started giving an invitation. You know, a lot of the inmates that, that work in chapel were coming up in the front to pray with the guys. And, you know, here they come, they started, the boys were playing, and I was praying, and I looked up, and there was a, a different Hispanic man. He came up, and that dude, he was just kind of, you could tell he was, he was excited, and he was smiling, and, and he came up to me, and I said, what do you got? And he said, man, I got to tell you, I got to tell you something. He said, you know that guy that you just called out uh, a while ago? And I said, yeah. He said, he's part of the Mexican mafia. He's killed more people than he can keep up with. He said, he used to put people in barrels and burn them. That's why I'm not telling you his name, okay? So I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know why you're excited, because all of a sudden I'm not. Right? <laughs> thinking, oh, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm too big to fit in a barrel. All right? 
So I sat there and he's like, I got to tell you something. He he said he was in his cell before he came here today. And he was cutting himself. And he was hearing voices. And he said he saw shadows. You know, to each his own. I believe in that kind of stuff. He said he saw he saw dark shadows and he said he heard a voice saying, God doesn't love you. God hates you. God doesn't love you. God could never love you. And he said, so I invited him to come to chapel. I was like, all right. And he said, he just gave his life to Jesus. He wants you to pray with him. I was like, man. He said, would you pray with us? Yeah, I'll bring him up here. And he came up and he was kind of, you know, standoff. We started praying at the end of it. He was smiling. He walked off. And I was like, man, you know, you hear about stuff like that, and you know, from other people. Just, just, but just to be standing. And I can't explain to you the, the warfare that was going on with us prior to that. Along about Thursday, it started. And, and I got up yesterday morning. I told him, I said, something good's going to happen today because the devil's just warring against you. He's warring. So I just want to tell you. I believe 100%. One of the greatest ministries we do in this church is supporting the Gideons because I believe in the power of the seed. I believe in the power of the gospel, the word of God to change any and every one. I mean, God will reach down to the depths. You know, and here's the thing. If we want to be honest, we're no different than that man. You know, don't, don't look at that man and go, wow, God saved him. Wow, God saved you. Wow, God saved me. And so in that, I know God is doing some great things, and I appreciate all y'all who are a part of that. If you're sitting and you, you pray for the ministry of the church, and you pray to see God move, you know, and you pray to see, we talked about the glory of God earlier in the first year, you pray to God, show us your glory. God is showing His glory, and I'm just so excited about that. I want you to be a part of that. And so, looking here uh, in Genesis chapter 12, I want to talk about walking in God's life that he intends for us to have, not only as individuals, but as a church. You'll see the blessing. You'll see the favor of God. you see the power of God. But most of all, you see that the Lord is magnified. When you live your life in the way that God intends for us to live, Abraham is an example of us to faith and how we should walk with the Lord, following Jesus, seeing God's favor, seeing God's power, seeing God's blessing to give us the life or to use our church in such a way is that he receives the glory. Because I want you to know, uh, in the scripture right here, the promise when God is speaking to Abraham here, where he starts off in verse 1, he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. And notice the promise that he, that he says here, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When God was speaking to Abraham, or Abram at the time, he was speaking to Jesus, the seed, or the son of God, the son of Abraham in the flesh, who would be a blessing to all the families in earth. One of the things that you see here is in Christ, this is a good picture of what it means that we're heirs and joint heirs in Christ. That means what God has spoken to Christ, his son, also those promises apply directly to those who are in Christ. That means you're a child of God. As God sees his son, he sees you. What he's promised to him, he'll fulfill through you. There's a there's a spiritual blessing, and then there's a physical blessing here that goes along with this. And so the, the greatest blessing that you see is that Abram was a part of bringing God's son into the world. Our greatest blessing that God allows us to be a part of is to bring God's son to the world. And that's the life that Jesus wants for any and every person, you know, I, have a, I don't title messages, but if I was going to say, you know, what's the point of this message? The point of this message is kind of like Eric was saying a while ago. God takes you from nothing to glory. He took Abraham from nothing to glory. He'll take a church of nothings. That's who we are. 
You know, we're out here in the middle of the sticks and nowhere, a bunch of backwoods rednecks. Some of us are educated, some of us aren't. And God's good with that. I'm good with that. You understand, God doesn't need huge mega churches on TV and, and all that kind of stuff to do great things. God takes people who are nothings, who will do according to what Abraham did and what God calls us to do, and he will show his glory to a world who will be blown away, going, how in the world did God ever do anything with that group of people? I serve with that group of people. I don't know if you're confident in that, but I'm absolutely confident in that. And God is moving more in the last couple of months than I've seen God move in my life and in this church in a long time. And I'm just like, I want some of y'all to get on board with that. So in that, uh, I want to start off and go, number one, God's calling us, calling us out of cultural living and cultural Christianity. The culture that we live in is a whole lot like the one Abraham lived in. Now, if you look back and you study, Abraham lived in what was called Ur of the Chaldees. It was modern-day Babylon. Okay, Babylonians are Chaldeans. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, Book of Daniel, all that? They were Chaldeans. They were idol worshipers. And they worshipped all these different gods. And they were full of filth and darkness. American culture is modern-day Babylon. It's identical to the culture that was taking place in that day. And you'll remember back in that day how, how, they, how they did all those things and how Nebuchadnezzar made this idol to himself or of himself. And he said, you know, we're going to call everybody together. When you hear the music, you bow down and worship the idol. If anybody doesn't bow down, we're going to do what? We're going to throw them into the fire. Picture of what's going to happen in the last days. Picture of what's coming in the United States of America. Ur means fire. The word means fire. The fire of the Chaldees. It represents the pressure or a, a type of a light. Okay, I'm not going to say we're persecuted in America very, very mildly compared to third world countries. But that is a type of persecution that you see, especially with our younger generation. I think a lot of people in the older generation has bowed to the fire. Because the world says, this is the way you're supposed to live. This is what your life should look like. These are the philosophies you go by. You know, this is the way, and even it's even moved into churches. This is how we worship. This is how we do church. This is what church should look like. And if it doesn't look like this, and we say things that go against what the culture believes, you know, you got to conform. That's what that fire does. It conforms God's people into what the world believes God is, when what the world believes the church should look like. And then all of a sudden, because we fold under the pressure of the fire, we start going along. You see churches everywhere that are compromising with the truth, the black and white truth of God's word, you know, and what it says about it, in order that we can fall under the, the category of tolerance, acceptance. You know, we don't want anybody to think that we're judgmental. You know, and we deal with hard things. I said some stuff, and I'll say it again about homosexuality last week. Okay, I'm not hating on homosexuals. I am hating on the sin. It's a sin. It's a blatant sin towards God. God's words are very clear about that sin. It's not the only sin. It's not the greatest sin, but it is sin. Along with adultery and fornication and lying and gossiping and worshiping money and all these different sins, okay? We're not gonna, we're not gonna tone that down to go, we're gonna offend somebody and somebody's gonna say that you're being judgmental. I am absolutely being judgmental. Do you hear what I'm saying? I am absolutely being judgmental. Not judging the heart of the person, but judging the sin that they're involved in. It's wicked. That's according to the scripture, okay? 
And if you've bought in to go, well, you're not supposed to judge, judge, not unless you be judged. If you're judging according to God's word, is it judgment when I say committing adultery is a sin? Well, you're judging. No, I'm reading. I'm using discernment. I'm using wisdom. I'm looking at God's word. The word of God is judging. I'm just speaking what the word of God says. And there's a lot of people today that have been conformed and they're still being conformed to what the world says you ought to worship like. Even to the simple things like a time frame. I realize we go about two hours every Sunday. People are like, what is this? Church is only supposed to be an hour. Who asked you? You know? And what I'm saying is you're getting your money's worth. Amen? We're giving you twice the amount. You know, they got those boxes now that go, you get 33% more. Guess what? You get 50% more, all right? <clears throat> so in that, you know, I just, I look at this and go, I, 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 God's calling us out of this culture, just like he does with Abraham. Now, if you look at Abraham's past, okay, Abraham was raised by his father. And according to Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, his father and his family were idol worshipers. He was raised in a home that was anti, you know, scriptural. He had a background of of being raised in a culture that hated God and that worshipped idols and promoted those things. And then you know that, that Abram also, he wanted to be a father. His name actually meant exalted father, yet he didn't have a kid. Sarah was barren. So when you look at his family, in that culture, there would have been great shame upon them. And the greatest desire of of a man in that day in that culture was to have a son of which he didn't have. And now he's knocking on 70 years old. So he's got all these different things against him. And maybe you're here today, there's a lot of people that you're never going to see the greatness of God in your life until you bury your past. You can make excuses all you want. We as a church, we can make excuses of why we can't and why we won't and why we don't and what we haven't seen. You can make excuses in your life to go, I'll never see the greatness of God in my life. I'll never be a part of something God's doing. God can't use me because of these reasons right here. You can blame other people. I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a mom. You know, I didn't have the kind of home that you had. I wasn't raised in church. I hear this stuff all the time. And all of a sudden we conform, listen to me, we conform the church into an institution of fixing issues. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who come, that's what they look at the church. Church, and I've said it before, we see the signs. I've been in church where I see the sign. Church is not, what does it say, brother? Church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. It's not either. It's not a hospital for sinners. It's a place called a body, a living organism filled with the Spirit of God, here to see the greatness of God, to magnify God. The Bible says, among God's people, let the Lord be magnified. We're here to magnify God, magnify the gospel, be the the visible body of Christ in so much that we're doing what God's called us to do and impacting and changing the culture instead of being changed by the culture. And here's the thing. Abraham could have sit around and talked about his issues. He had them. He could have said, you know what, I just feel like a failure. You know, all these people are talking about me and my wife. Obviously, something wrong with her, too. I got family issues. My brother, Haran, died before his day. I don't know what he's involved in. Maybe drugs. He had an overdose. He was an alcoholic. I don't know. Maybe somebody shot him because of his attitude. But he had a brother, Haran, who died. Now we're having to raise his kid, Lot. Sounds like a whole lot of mixed-up American families. And here's the truth. A lot of people come to church today looking for their issues to get fixed. And you know how you got those issues? Because you didn't listen to God's word. You know how we fix issues here? If you come and counsel us, we open the Bible and go, this is what the Bible says. If you do this, it'll be fixed. Period. God's word is true. It doesn't change. There's no situation that is unfixable when you do what God's word says and Jesus is Lord. 
And so here, when Abram is in the fire and the pressure to be conformed to his culture, you remember back in Deuteronomy when, when the Lord appeared uh, to the children of Israel, he brought them out of Egypt. He brought them out, was called out of the iron furnace, the Bible says. And he brought them to the Mount Sinai. And there it says, God appeared to them in the fire. He spoke to them out of the midst of the fire. And he gave his law. He gave his word to his people. And he said, if you walk in my word, walk in my commandments, then what's going to follow you? The blessings that follow my word. Goes all the way through the scripture, okay? Understand, God has a life for us. He has a life that's blessed. Don't go, you know, Houston on me. I'm not talking about money and Corvettes. I'm talking about truly blessings. And God does provide for us and bless us in, in the physical sense. Absolutely, He does. But here's the thing is there's always a connection to God's Word with the blessings of God that follow your life. When you follow Jesus and you walk in His ways and you walk in His Word, the blessings of God's going to follow you. Okay, you go the opposite direction, you're going to see what the culture has for you. And so here's the thing. Abram is in that situation. He's got his issues. And then notice what it says in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram. You know, Acts chapter 7 verse 2 says that God appeared, the God of glory appeared to Abram while he was still in Ur of the Chaldees. Everybody here can go back to a place where you go, I understand where Abram's at. Mixed up family, messed up life, terrible choices, bad situations. Some you was, you know, you had something to do with, some you didn't. Just catapulted into these situations. I got all these issues. God can fix your issues, but listen to me. Church ain't a place where you just come. God just got issues. Because here's the thing: most people nowadays in this generation, here we go, gonna get ugly. If this doesn't apply, then let it pass over you, okay? But if it flies, I just want you to think about it. A lot of people look at church and go, man, my life's so messed up. I've heard so many people go, I found Jesus when I got to the bottom of the barrel. Maybe you ought to find Jesus when you get to the top of the barrel and you don't have to deal with swimming back up. Might get burned in the barrel. Amen? All right. So anyhow. <laughs> but that's the, and they, you know, I came to church, and here's the thing. I see, I've seen over the years, 25 years of pastor, I've seen people come. They have issues. They have brokenness. You know, they have things that they need fixing, and I'm all about it. I mean, I'm all about Jesus can heal, and Jesus can fix, and Jesus can restore, and Jesus can renew, and Jesus can save, and Jesus can transform, and all these things in your life. But then here's the thing. Once your issue is fixed, what do I need church for? What do I need? Oh, everything's good. I'm going to be busy. Hey, but when I get back to it, and you will. When I get back to the bottom of the barrel, I don't serve a God who's in the bottom of the barrel. He don't stay in the bottom of the barrel. The Bible said he raises us up out of the pit and sets us on the rock. And some of you, if you would see the God of glory, if you would see the God of glory, it would change your life in so much you don't care about going back to the barrel. have no idea where that came from, all right? But here's the thing. Maybe you're in that place today. I just want to give you good news. God will take you from nothing to glory. Romans chapter 4 refers to this scripture here with Abram. And it says that Abram believed God who raises the dead to life. And he takes that which does not exist and makes it as though it always has. That means God doesn't need my help. Everything that God promises here to Abraham, you notice what he says? 
It's all about God's grace. People need to see the glory of God. The glory will say, what is the glory of God? Some shining in the sky? The glory of God is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, who came, became a sinner, represented sinners on the cross, lived a perfect sinner's life, but he who knew no sin became sin so that a wicked sinner might see the glory of God. He forgives. He takes that man yesterday who walked in there, a part of the Mexican mafia, on his way to a devil's hell. And in a moment's time, he transformed him, translated him, as the Bible said, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He is now a son of God, not by what he's done, but simply by how he responded to the glory of God. Cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what grace is about. Jesus, The Lord didn't say, hey, Abraham, I'm going to help you out of the barrel. I'm going to help you out of this pit. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna bump you along and I'm gonna call these people to, you know, just to cry over you and, and do all this stuff and, and encourage you. And if you'll come to church one day a week, we're gonna fix your issue and we're gonna put a band-aid on you and make life better. He said, no, no. He said, listen to me, Abraham. If you listen to me, if you listen to what I say, I've showed you my glory. You listen to what I say. You let my glory radically impact your life. You let the gospel, the, the cross of Jesus Christ, the love of God radically, and here's how you, you just have to receive it. You have to receive that. That's what grace is about, response and receiving. It's not about what you do to to be right with God and to make up for all your wrongdoings and, and all that kind of stuff. God meets you where you're at. And he tells Abraham, get out from your country. Get out from your family. Get away from your influences, your idol worshipers. Get away from this cultural thought process. You know, a lot of people, they want all the glory of God. They just want to bring the world right into it with them. Lord said, Not, here's my conditions. Get out. Repent. Move away from. Turn to me. Follow me. The messages of the gospel all the way through the scripture. Jesus said, follow me and I will. God right here says, Abraham, follow me and I will. I will. I will do what? I will bless you. I will make you a nation. A great. God does things great. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. That's the only part Abraham had. When you receive the I wills, then you become the you will. Does that make sense? Now what? If I receive what God says in my life and I walk in it and I walk by faith, and notice he said, get out. Some of you today have some things you need to get out of and get away from if you're going to see the greatness of God in your life. Our church, we've already got out from some stuff, but there's some things we need to get out. If we're going to see the greatness of God continue to move, Lord's like, I, I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what your, your fellow churches say. I, I, I'm not here to approve, get their approval. What I want you to do is you follow me. You follow me. You let me worry about them. You follow me in the direction that I'm going to lead you. And you know what I'm going to do with Cedar Creek Baptist Church? I will make. I will make you a great people, a great nation. Of people who I set my glory on. You know what God did? God chose Israel, who was the least of people, the smallest of people, the most insignificant people. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to march you into a land by faith. I will show you. God never tells you the details. He said, I'm the point. You follow me, I'll take care of the details. But you trust me because I've shown you my glory. You trust me because I've shown you my power. I've shown you my faithfulness. I've shown you my love. I've shown you my grace. Just follow me. Just day by day, you follow me as a church, moment by moment, decision by decision. Follow me. Trust me because I'm good and you let me take care of. I'll show you what I have for you. And he took Israel there and they're still the greatest nation in the world. America's not. 
you're deceived in America is the greatest nation in the world, we're the greatest false doctrine, idol-worshiping, backslidden, God-hating nation I've ever seen in my life. I love my country, but it's not the greatest nation in the world. You can, you can, we can argue about that all day long, okay? Just because we're the richest nation in the world doesn't mean we're the greatest. And I think God can, can restore us. I think God can make us the greatest nation if my people, if my people who are called by my name on themselves and, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I believe we could be the greatest nation in the world again. And I believe we can be the greatest church with a great name for the Lord Jesus Christ where he's receiving honor and glory. But I've got to finish this up quickly, okay? But he goes on down and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to bless you. You know, I won't spend a lot of time on that, but, but it seems like God's had me there for a minute. And again, I think we steer away from that whole blessing of God because of what false teachers have put on that, the stigma. And what we do is because you got, you know, false teachers on, on TV and that kind of stuff, and they, they, they preach a false prosperity gospel that we go, oh, God doesn't bless. Yes, he does. You know, I read this week one song said the, the, the people of the Lord will increase more and more. God's all about increase. God's all about abundance. God's all about blessing to those who are walking in his way, to those who are obedient and walking in faith to his word. God doesn't fail. God doesn't do small things. God does things that are great because he's a great God. And so the thing is, if you're sitting here and go, you know what, you're telling me that God gives me a bunch of money. No, I didn't tell you that. That means you love money, and that's what you call a blessing. Maybe you need to redefine what a blessing is. And does God give people money? Absolutely. Absolutely, that's why we're the richest nation in the world. We're just not using what he's given us for the purpose that he gave it. Because he goes on down, he says, I will bless you and I will make your name great. I do want to touch on that and then I'm going to finish up in the next one, okay? I'm going to make your name great. How many of you say, man, I'd love to have a great name? You should. I'm not talking about fame. You know, here's what they God put it in us to have a great name. Study your Bible all the way through it. What we did is we took our sinful nature and we decided that we wanted to be a great name so that we could be greatly worshipped by everybody else. We want to make ourselves the idol. That's not the great name God's talking about. A great name is that when you die, you have a whole lot of people. You ever been to those funerals where a whole lot of people show up? I've been to some where I go, anybody have anything to say? Crickets. And then I've had some to where I go, you know, sometimes you got a lot of people in heaven. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody's saved when they die, right? Even though they lived a wicked, godless life and never, never, never thought about the Lord over there in heaven. It's one of them cultural confirmations. <clears throat> but here's the thing. You, you've been, I've been to those, those funerals, not just funerals of families, where when you talk to the kids, those kids are like, man, my mom and daddy, my mom and daddy are amazing people. My mom and daddy have a great name in my family. Absolutely a great name. Your parents should have a great name. You should be a parent. You should be a grandparent. You should be a boss, an employer, an employee, a servant who has a great name because of Jesus, because you live for him, because you exemplify him, because you show his character, because you're honest, because you're a hard worker, because you're pure, because you're faithful. That's a great name. It honors you. It honors God. It honors the church. And God said, I can give you that. You follow me and I'll make your name great. Who wants, who wants a name to where it, when it's brought up, people talk bad about it? I'm not talking about the world. The world's going to talk bad about you, but I'm talking about your family members. You know what, my dad, I heard, I just heard it. I just heard it. I went to church. I'd ride to church. And when we get out of church, all of a sudden, the person, my family that rode church, first thing they did when they walked out, 
you know, got in a car. Like, I can't believe the preacher did that. How long he preached and blah, 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 blah. Sorry, that'll probably happen today. But here's where I'm at. <laughs> here's where I'm at. Man, I, I want, when I stand before the Lord, I want to have had a great name. And I want my name to honor Jesus. That's a great name. I want my life to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he finishes up here. There's a whole lot I could have preached on today, but I'm out of time. But I want you to get this. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And then he says, what? You shall be a blessing. Then why does God bless you? So that you can be a blessing. Here's what happens to most people. Most people go, God, I'm going to dare to believe that you bless. And I'm going to ask you, God, to bless me. Don't give me that. I'm not worthy. If you're born again, you've been made worthy. God loves to bless his people who approach him in the right spirit. And God, I'm going to ask you to bless me. And then all of a sudden, when you start seeing that, when God multiplies, listen to me, it's not just spiritual things, okay? When God begins to multiply your business, when he begins to multiply the things, when he shows you his glory in every area of your life, read Psalm chapter 1, whatsoever he does will prosper. According to the scripture, when you walk into God's word, okay? When you begin to see that, all of a sudden our flesh takes over and we become a sponge. We sigh, more, more. And the next thing you know, we're great. We rise above everybody else. We're not like these people. We're better than these people. We have more than these people. We look better now than these people. We drive better than these people. We live better than these people. We're so thankful, God, that we're not like those people. That's called a sponge that absorbs the blessings of God. And it's called self-worship. It's called you're an idol. You're your own idol. And you want people to recognize that glory in your life. You just absorb the glory of God. But what happens when God blesses you and your life becomes a channel in every area? You begin to be a blessing. You know who gets the glory? It comes to you. You bless others. God gets the glory. You know, that's why I'm against. I'm anti-bank account in the church. I know churches in town, three or four hundred thousand dollars in the bank. I'm like, you're a sponge. You're a stinking sponge. We should be a church that goes, all we're going to do is we're going to be a channel. We're going to take what comes in. We're going to, we're going to bless wherever God wants us to bless. And it's going out. This is a revolving door when it comes to the money in this church. And you know what? I think we've been doing that now for at least 15 or 20 years. And we've probably got more than what we started with. I know we do. You know why? Because God says he's going to do it. He does it. So I just want to, I just want to put this in here for you. You have an opportunity this morning. And that's not what this message was about, but I was going to say it because I just feel like I need to say it. You have an opportunity this morning to be a blessing. I think the ministry they do is one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful ministries on earth. I'm so convinced of God's word, not that you need some high-educated pastor to stand up and explain it, but just to put it into the hands of somebody, pray over it, use the opportunity if you get to share the gospel. But even if you don't, God's spirit will take that seed and he will multiply and bless it and people will be saved. That's what this church is about. It's a kingdom vision in which we go, I believe God's word, I want to invest in it, okay? And I want to be a blessing. So be a blessing to them. They were going to take up an offering at the end. If you don't want to be, if you can't be, cool. But what I want to say is, God doesn't just give you all that money so that you can just soak it up and absorb everything. Go, Man, God's so great. You know why? Because I just sold the $84,000 truck I had and I bought a $95,000 one. Glory to God. Made no difference in the kingdom. I'm not against, I'm not against you having nice vehicles. But what I'm saying is, be a blessing. Be a blessing to somebody. I just want to finish this by challenging you. The greatest blessing you have in your life is that you heard the gospel. That you've been born again if you have been. Be a blessing. 
God saved you so you can go out and tell somebody else how to be saved. If God's given you a church, be a blessing to the church. Find somebody to hear today and be a blessing. Stop being a sponge. Stop coming here with all, <laughs> not being negative, but with, with just issues. Everybody has issues. Everybody has troubles. I serve a God who takes care of that when you seek first the kingdom of God. Set your heart to go, you know what I'm going to do this week? Rather than thinking about me and being what the culture says I'm going to be, I'm going to start thinking about the Lord. I'm going to start responding to his word. I'm going to start walking in obedience. I'm going to start being a blessing. I'm going to let God fight my battles, and I'm going to have what God has for me. I'm going to see the greatness of the Lord, and I'm going to be a part of a church, and I'm going to invest in the kingdom through that church, and I'm going to see the greatness of God there so that when I stand before the Lord, I do hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to tell you, he is great. It is absolutely great. Salvation is great. The life that God gives us is great. His word is great. When you walk in it, you'll see the greatness of God in your life. If you don't know Christ's Savior, it's not about a church thing, a Baptist thing, a ceremony thing, a walk the aisle thing. It's a heart-to-heart with the Lord where you recognize him. He is Lord, and he does love you. Your greatest issue in life that you need to deal with is the sin that you have. That you were born with. That you can't do anything about. But Jesus said, you know what? If you'll look to me. If you'll trust in what I've done for you. I will. I will save you. I will make you a son of God. A daughter of God. I will give you life. And I will raise you up. You don't have to walk up here to receive that. God will meet you just like he met Abraham. Right where you are. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so much, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this people. God, I know that you have a plan for our church, for families here, for marriages. God, for all these young people that you brought here, we thank you for them. We thank you for a new generation. God, we thank you for those little ones who are next door tearing down the building. Thank you for the ones who are willing to invest in those little ones. And God, I pray we'd be a people who come to be a blessing. I pray that we would go out this week and recognize what we've been given, that we would be faithful to share that with the people that come in contact with us, God. Help us to be a people who exalt and magnify the hope that you give us through Jesus. Father, I just pray we'd be a joyful people, a thankful people. God, that you would just lift us up and raise us up so that people would see you in us. God, you said if you be lifted up, you will draw all men. God, I pray we lift up the gospel. We lift up Jesus this week. Father, I just pray for someone here today that's never trusted him right where they stand right now, God, that turn their heart to you. God, if you can save an idiot like me, if you can save a man who burned people in barrels, you can save anybody here, Jesus. We just thank you if that grace extends. Your grace is not limited. It's a horrible thing to think about somebody who was involved in that. It is an even more amazing thing to think that he can stand before you, a holy God, made just through the blood of Jesus. Father, I pray that nobody would walk out of here in their self-righteousness today. God, we would see the cross for what it offers us, and we'd receive it, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.